0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to a sad episode of the On Bengals podcast. I'm sad. Are you sad, Joe? I don't know what I don't know what to describe it as. It, it, what's the hopeless? It's surreal. As always, okay. you can find the podcast on the, the Himalaya Podcast app, in addition to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew, which. I want to make a joke, but I'm just not in the mood.
2: Well, you know, hopefully it's Jonah Williams' left shoulder for Blue Chew purposes.
0: Jonah Williams is out for the season. He has got a tear. (laughs) You guys should see Joe's face right now. (laughs) I'm dying over here. So proud of himself for that joke, and I didn't even acknowledge it. Oh, he was he was bursting. Oh, man. And now, he got his wish. I acknowledge his joke. Thank you. Jonah Williams has a torn labrum in his shoulder that was repaired surgically today. He is said to be likely out for the season. Cordy Glenn will slide back to left tackle, which I guess it could be worse. They could not have Cordy Glenn. Right. Uh, the, The recovery time for a torn labrum is said to be between four and six months. That would put us in late October to late December. I don't think that there's much point in activating a rookie tackle that's missed all of your football activities in late December if it takes that long. Especially Especially, if one
2: arm is weakened, right?
0: Right, especially if there's any risk for re-injury or conditioning isn't up to snuff. So they say he's likely up for the year. I mean, I'd say there's like a sliver of hope potentially that he is on the fast recovering side of the spectrum. And, and you know, he's closer to four months because, of okay. course, you no longer have to designate your returnees on the IR. So they're just going to put him on the injured reserve. And if they haven't returned and they can return two guys now, too, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So if they haven't used their returns and Jonah Williams is like Adrian Peterson in terms of his recovery time from a major surgery, then maybe he gets back. But you don't count on it at this point. And even if he does come back, he probably doesn't start at that point. Because if you want to keep Cordy Glenn on the field as, as a left guard, because you're committed to Bobby Hart for some reason, you're not going to move him to guard mid season. Right. So he's probably not playing in 2018,
2: 2019. For Part of Joan Williams being on the fast recovery spectrum. A lot of these athletes are. It's a whole different spectrum from what we are. But he didn't get hurt at Alabama, so it kind of makes you wonder um, if this will be a quick recovery. And and you know maybe we do see him for the final two games or so, or whatever the case may be. I, I, that's a sliver of hope. Again, we want to stress that. We just, I think we're both at the point of. Um, accepting it and trying to say well what's the best case scenario to out to come out of it and it's a good thing they did still have Cordy Glenn on the roster and didn't instantly cut somebody uh I'm not gonna say it's a good thing Bobby Hart's on the roster because I would have liked the opportunity that if Bobby Hart plays the way we all expect him to and I'm not speaking from the positive side of that then I would have liked to you know what let's kick Cordy Glenn over to right tackle and let's get this thing going because Bobby Hart's killing us and now they don't have that option. In fact. Their tackle depth is scary thin, uh, as we expected going into the draft. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Jordan starts getting some snaps out there. Trey Hopkins gets some snaps out there. They're way deeper on the inside than they are a tackle. And even if they explored a trade for a backup or tried to sign a veteran somewhere the, in the same way they did for John Jerry at guard, uh, just to try and get a body in here, it's desperately needed.
0: And I think they have to at this point get another experienced tackle on the roster, even if he's not good. They need someone right. who's played NFL tackle before. Yeah, and Some I don't know. Snaps. I don't know who's out there. I I haven't been paying attention. So I saw somebody mention Donald Penn. I've is got a, one
2: guy for you that I was uh, a Bucks follower, Joe Bucks fan. I don't know if you follow him. If you guys follow him on Twitter, um, the Buccaneers had a tackle slash guard. His name is. Caleb Beneno, B-E-N-E-N-O-C-H. So I'm going to go with that. He played for the UCLA Bruins in college, drafted in 2016 in the fifth round. So in 2017, he played 343 snaps at right tackle. And then last year they moved him to guard, and he played 840 snaps at guard. He's not projected to start again this year. He was not good by PFF standards, but he does have experience playing tackle, and he uh, wrote an article right away as soon as Jonah Williams was uh, announced out for the year. This is from a Buccaneers website. And said, this guy's got a $2 million salary. I'm sure the Bucks would like to dump him for a late pick. Maybe the Bengals will be interested.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there will be guys like that, right, that they could scoop up later if yeah. there are guys they like to get cut, for example. But, I mean, they, they have said they like O'Shea Dugas, who is one of the... College free agent tackles that they signed. Just looking at the roster though, the guys they have listed a tackle right now, Kent Perkins, Keaton Sutherland, and O'Shea Dugas. Besides Great. besides Bobby Hart and Cordy Glenn.
2: Right. Do you, and you we know, know, who know those people
0: are. I know <laughs> Kent
2: Perkins is. Well, right? oh, he's been on the
0: team for a year.
2: Right. That's about it. But we do know that Hopkins and Michael Jordan could potentially do it. And I you have still all of training camp to really you know, find out if they can, not just, can they do it, but can they do it? If you know what I'm saying?
0: Did, did Jordan ever play tackle at OSU or was he just a guard center? I,
2: I think his first year he was backing up completely, but practiced that tackle. He was okay. recruited as a tackle.
0: I would rather tackle have tackle. Trey Hopkins get the chance cause he's done it in the NFL. Oh yeah. And, and he did, you, he did you, it in college too. And maybe you keep Michael Jordan on his development path, and, and he's okay, and he's just going to be a good interior lineman, especially if he needs to play center. Because Billy Price, you know, he battled injuries
2: last year. And then that brings up Clint Bowling, because he would kind of be that de facto third tackle. And, and he's been uh, hurt all camp. He's been hurt. And if you listen to the podcast last week, at one point, I, I, I started to scare us with the uh, worry of Jonah Williams being st- – severely hurt or or the injury being more severe than we thought and I was going to say shoulder Jake and I talked about it afterwards it was from a tip on Twitter that I didn't know if if it was strong or not but it apparently was very strong and he also said Clint Bowling is not going to be back anytime soon and and that could go into the season so um, yeah we may be looking at John Jerry starting at left guard that means but I
0: Christian Westerman was getting snaps with the the first-teamers. He was getting the snaps with the first-teamers before John Jerry did. John Jerry's 32 was out of the league for a while. I can't imagine they're going to ask him to start, unless Westerman just, again, just refuses to get it.
2: Get Alex Redman at left guard? I mean, it could be Hopkins,
0: right? Sure, could be Trey Hopkins. It could be Mike Jordan. They have options at guard. They, well, I mean, I guess it's a nice thing that they have some depth at guard. That being said, if if Clinton Bowling is going to miss time, then you have Westerman, Miller. Well, Miller's playing right guard, sorry. Westerman, Jordan, and Hopkins that are all candidates for... And maybe for Alex Redman. Redman.
2: He has played it.
0: Redman's sus- suspended for, what, four games? That's right.
2: Never mind. You're yeah. right. So he's not getting that starting spot. No. No. Yeah, so, I mean... A bummer, though. I, I tweeted out the rookie snaps the Bengals have got out of their – It's there. so it's a, depressing.
0: Do we have – It I is. Mean, yeah, go, go ahead. It's so, Let me go it's through so some awful. of these guys.
2: 2012, Drake Kirkpatrick played 42 snaps as a rookie. Uh, Tyler Eifert, who has played the most out of all these guys since then in 2013, played 673 snaps. Great, but he's not known for his durability since then. Uh, Darquez Denard, 62 snaps. Cedric Abouye, 65 snaps. William Jackson, zero snaps. John Ross, 17 snaps. We know how Billy Price's season went, two injuries, uh, 558 snaps, and they were not good because of those injuries. And now Jonah Williams, zero snaps, as far as we know right now, and could could end up that way. It is a disastrous run for a team built on needing these young guys to play early on cheap deals, right? Because they're not a team that's going to go out and make a move to fill these holes. The, the holes they fill are through the draft, and they expect these guys to come in and play and play well and be cheap for those four years. They're losing a year on these guys every time.
0: It's brutal. It's a brutal run of luck. I mean, in some cases, it was self-produced. They knew John Ross was an injury risk. They knew he had a torn ACL when they picked him. Yeah. But when they made the Abuehi pick, I mean, you can you can say that he isn't, a good pick no regardless of what you thought of him as a draft pick picking an injured player there yeah well it's never ideal to take an injured player in the first round i mean it happens every year this year it was uh jeffrey simmons right and and jeffrey simmons is a totally different kind of prospect but when you have the talent on the roster that the bengals had at the time it was kind of like okay Red shirting a, a, a first, red shirting your first round pick isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Especially we were, for the top of prospect, he, the type of prospect he was built as, supposed right? to be, right.
2: Right, like it was like, oh, he's got a lot of upside. Look at his length and athleticism. Right. He's coming off an injury. He would be a top ten pick. All oh, oh, false. But, but that's, this history goes so,
0: back so far, too. It's not even right. just the guys you listed. I mean, you can talk about Keith Rivers. You can talk yep. about David Pollock. You can talk about uh, Chris, Chris Perry. Perry.
2: Andre Smith. Kajana Carter. Yeah, and i mean, we're just going back to four. We don't have to go far, further than that. It's Dd Merritt Dean. He's 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 uh, asked questions on the podcast before, which we will get to tomorrow. If you're listening and wondering why we haven't gotten to that, we've got enough to talk about. But uh, yeah, he he sent all that to me. Chris Perry played two games. David Pollock broke a or broke a uh, disc in his in his neck in the second year, first game of the second year. Keith Rivers broken jaw. Andre Smith showed up to camp with a broken foot
0: and broke it again. It's terrible. It's just it's uncanny. It's it's like there's 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 a curse because it's not like these guys are all guys that had injury histories.
2: Billy Price, Jonah Williams, no injuries in college. Fifty five yeah. straight games for Billy Price. He's I mean, durable, is what I was told.
0: They they drafted Billy Price knowing that he had torn his pec. That's but, true. I mean, he, he then had a leg injury, which right is hard to connect to. Hard to connect to a pec,
2: right. So now Jonah Williams is going to start his career behind the, behind the ball. Behind the – is the eight ball the right answer there? Eight no, ball
0: correct, yep. It Nine is? Okay, eight. great. He, All right. You know what? He, he has the mind to make it work. He does, but now next year we're going to say this is his rookie
2: year, just the yeah. same way we're going to say for Billy yeah. Price for a lot of it, the way we said for John Ross, the yeah. way we said for William Jackson. And William Jackson's the only one that actually played really good his first time starting, so maybe that's what we'll get for Jonah. But chances are, no. Chances are he'll be, he'll go through some rust issues and some health issues and some, some confidence stuff and some learning curve that maybe shouldn't have been there for a guy of his caliber.
0: Yep. There, there's no way to make this good news. No, it's not good news. It's bad. It sucks. It's the worst news that could have come out of, well, it's not the worst news, but it's, it's right. up there for what would have been the worst news. You lose your first-round pick for the year before training camp. On a unit that needed the talent. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's not like Andy Dalton going down for the year in terms of, like, Bengals' prognosis for this year, but for long-term right. prognosis, I mean, yeah. This, this is the worst thing that could have happened for the Bengals' long-term outlook, I think, in, in the off-season program.
2: Now the biggest addition to the offense is John Miller. You know, it's not great. It's, it's, and while we do agree that can be, definitely be an upgrade um, from what they had, it's not a situation that really inspires a lot of confidence. That they really, uh, Drew Sample? I mean, you can make the argument Drew Sample is. But that's, that's sad. That's not what you want for an offense that really, for a lot of, out of, outside of that first quarter of the season, struggled. And struggled when guys went down. And guys are going to go down, as we see today. You've got to be able to overcome. You've got to be able to have some of these other new talent, fresh blood coming in, stepping up and being the players for you. Uh, You just look at it as a whole and you say, man, it's really, it's the same offensive line coming back plus John Miller. That's not great. That's not ideal.
0: Yeah. And and like you said, there aren't really additions elsewhere. So it's just everything sucks and we're going to take a break and come back and talk about some countdown to kickoff stuff, I guess. One more point though, right? Okay. Because they keep missing
2: their first-round picks. Keeps happening. And yet, when we get to draft season, we're, and we're only saying it now because we'll forget it by then, but we will say it now, and we'll probably say it again next spring. We'll say, guys, we can't draft for this year. Guys, we can't look at this year as as the only time, you know, only, only plug-and-play pro- prospects. We have to say... Yeah, they, don't take a quarterback. This will be the conversation, right? Don't take a quarterback next year, guys. They need a defensive tackle. They need a linebacker. They need a corner. Whatever it is, they need one. Well, you always have those needs, but you're always, consistently they're redshirting these guys, whether it's by choice or not, because sometimes they have inflicted it on themselves, uh, and because of it. We have to look at this at a much bigger picture. I know Jake and I do, and I feel like we do. We can sometimes we get a little short-sighted. We do the mock Monday and we get in there and we say, well, we gotta fill these needs. But really, you've got to draft good players, and I'm not saying Jonah Williams isn't that. You gotta draft healthy players. I'm not saying Jonah Williams wasn't that. Point being is it's for the future. It's for two, three, four, five years down the line. It's
0: something to keep in mind for sure. It wasn't even necessarily correct. I think Jonah Williams was probably the right pick. He was at, at eleven, but Unless Dwayne Haskins is
2: the right pick in three years. Yeah, unless it's a quarterback. Right, because this team and a lot of people say, well, they're not taking a quarterback unless it was the right guy, whatever that means. But, you know, the argument for people that don't want to take a quarterback is, no, they need a tackle to protect Andy Dalton.
0: You can't get a tackle at Walmart, Jake. Apparently not. Apparently the tackles at Walmart suffer torn labrums and need surgery and are out for the year.
2: And that's my final point on that.
0: I guess, who, who was it, Troy Blackburn? You got me. Your Walmart tackle wasn't reliable, and he's, now we don't have a tackle.
2: He's not gloating right now. No. I know. No. Just saying, look, guys, told you we couldn't just bring in some guy and fix it all, magic wand. Uh,
0: everything you knew sucks. they were going to be injured. Everything sucks. We'll be right back.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: And welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast, where everything is awesome after that last break there. Um, We're going to continue our count on the kickoff and go through the numbers, doing two a day now as we're catching up pretty quickly. Uh, If you were paying attention, we left off talking a bunch about Anthony Munoz. And now we're going to number seventy-sevens and 76, fitting as the Bengals lost Jonah Williams today. 77 and 76,
0: Jake, are Cordy Glenn and Kent Perkins. Yep, Cordy Glenn is a giant, so that's fun. He's 6'6", listed at 245, 29 years old, which when I think about Cordy Glenn, I think of him as in his early 30s, but he's not there yet. He played with Clint Bowling at Georgia, yep. ties Clint Bowling's record, I guess, for most starts at Georgia as an offensive lineman at 50, 50 apiece. Hmm. Uh, and I don't have fun facts on him. He, he went to Riverdale High School in Riverdale, Georgia, which is the same place that Archie and friends go to high school, and that's all I got. You watch that show at all? I tried. It's very bad. My wife watches it, so I, you know, by proxy, I
2: watch that show also, which I've seen maybe a third of the episodes.
0: I, I liked it at first, and I thought it was going to have some, like, actual Archie elements to it, and then it was just, like, a drama, and I was like, yeah, this is it, bad.
2: Definitely a drama, and weird, and apparently season two, they're playing, like, some real life Dungeons and Dragons game that when they do it, it happens in real life. It it took a turn. Yeah, oh, I've got your interest. You guys should see Jake right there. He was like, really? I would be. I would like a show well, like that. You know,
0: straight, no, I wouldn't. Stranger Things does some Dungeons & Dragons tie-ins too, which right. I actually like. Those are fun because that's like old school stuff. Anyway, Cordy you Glenn. You know what I played yesterday? I played Dark Tower. You ever play that? No. Oh,
2: I imagine that would be a lot like Dungeons & Dragons. Anyways, go ahead.
0: Cordy, Cordy Glenn. Glenn. Been in the league since 2012. He started 13 games as a rookie for the Bills. And then for the next three seasons, didn't miss a game. 2013 to 2015, played all 16 games, started all 16 games, missed five games in 2016, and then in 2017, only played in six games due to ankle and foot injuries, and then he came to Cincinnati. Played 13 games. Ankle and foot injuries. Yep. Ankle, foot injury, back injury. Mm. Back injury caused him to miss games 11 through 13, but he was playing through injury for much of the rest of the year although he did start 13 games
2: yeah I think the Panthers game it started he had a knee issue um but yeah so basically the Bengals gave up what the value was a second round pick for Cordy Glenn I don't think they got exactly what they wanted out of him last year even in 13 games The issue with him is always health. When he's healthy, he's good. He's fine. I've got no problem with Cordy Glenn as a starting tackle uh, on my team and in this league. I think when he deals with anything, and that's often, he can quickly fall off. And that's the thing. So you may get five good games from him. If he's dealing with anything, you may get five poor games. And then you may miss five more games just because he can't play, can't get on the field with it. And that's almost been a typical year for him throughout most of his career. He, he's long, he's he's strong, he's big, he's somewhat agile for a guy that size. He's been good in pass protection. I think run blocking has been one of the areas where he's been iffy for most of his career. But uh-huh. for being a big guy, you can do some things that way. And uh, yeah, I'm not looking at it, Jake. If you've got some numbers or anything, I, I don't, I, I've got Ken Perkins pulled up actually right now.
0: I got them both. Oh, okay. I'm prepared.
2: You're prepared. I see you.
0: Cordy Glenn was the top graded for pro football focus pass blocker. For The Bengals last year, which isn't saying a lot, but a 71.3 is well above average. He gave up a total of 36 pressures, but only two of them were sacks. Only three of them total, including those two sacks included a QB hit. So 33 hurries, but he wasn't letting his quarterback get hit very often. He did have five penalties.
2: And we talked about this. How, it's how you lose and when you lose right. to apply that pressure on the quarterback. For If Bobby Hart over, overextends lunges and misses, that's a straight line. To, and this is in like the first phase, right? So you're in your kick step, you, you, over, you overstep or over lunge, and that guy beats you instantly. He's got a clear path to the quarterback. That is going to end up in a sack because the quarterback doesn't have time to get rid of the ball or make a move. But if Cordy Glenn doesn't lose in that first phase and it's the second or then going transitioning to the third as the guy's trying to go around the arc or beat him back inside later, if that's applying the pressure but the quarterback can still get the get rid of the ball, that's obviously ideal.
0: You would like to see Cordy Glenn have a return to form to 2015. That was his last truly good year before the injuries really started biting him in 2016, 17, and 18. He had an 86.3 overall grade from Pro Football Focus that year, allowed only 27 pressures all year on 600 pass-blocking snaps. Compared mm. to 36 in 100 fewer pass-blocking snaps in 2018, you would like to see that return to form. But there is a trend. It is not a good trend. Uh, you just have to hope he can stay healthy. and And when you're that large, it's very hard to do. I will say that he did have... Five or six really good games last year where he gave up at most one pressure. He had a couple games, uh, week two against Baltimore, week seven against Kansas City, that he gave up no pressures. He had one penalty against Baltimore, but no pe- no pressures, no penalties against Kansas City. And against Kansas City, they threw the ball 40 times.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that backs up what I feel, Ben. You'll get a lot of you get a handful of good games, you'll yeah. get, and then you'll get a handful where he's dealing with something. He, had, uh, well, he,
0: he only had three really bad games. So Carolina was a very, very bad game for him. Week yeah. three, he gave up seven uh, seven hurries and a hit.
2: You could see how stiff he was. A lot of those ended up in those interceptions, too. Dalton had four picks that game,
0: one uh, out of hail Mary. Yeah, and his other bad game was against Baltimore in Week 11. But outside <laughs> of that, if you remove those two games... Generally, like pretty pretty solid year. Yeah, and, and and week eleven was right before he missed a couple of weeks with injury yeah, too.
2: Right, yeah, he was dealing with it at that point. I think that's when they decided to shut him down a little bit. But uh, I was going to say, so well, there's another guy to add to the pile and list of guys we need not only to stay healthy, but we'd love to return to 2015 and hit the time machine a little bit here.
0: Yeah, if everybody on the Bengals could go back to their 2015 form, <laughs> playoffs, baby, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Is that is that a Pittsburgh thing?
2: No, I think you can do. Here we go for a lot of.
0: Am I allowed to say that?
2: Yes, you can say that. That's not. That was not a. It was not in the chant form. So you're good. All right. So we we move
0: on to Ken Perkins now. Seventy six. Kent Perkins, 76, he has been on the Bengals for two preseasons. He was not great in last year's preseason, but in 2017, he graded out pretty well. Yeah.
2: All things considered. Mm -hmm. What do you have? uh, Last year, it was the first time he played guard. I remember this.
0: Before we talk about his professional career, can we we review his high school career? This is very important.
2: Very important. Feel free.
0: He was a U.S. Army High School All-American. Oh. Was a track and field athlete as a freshman. Was a wrestler his sophomore and junior year. And I don't know what this field of study is, but at Texas, he was a health promotion major.
2: So is he the guy standing outside of the club telling you, or the, the gym telling you, uh, you can get
0: two months f- no fee? I hope you don't need a college education from the University of Texas for that. But you need college education for everything.
1: That's this is America,
0: Jake. Gotta get that money. What else you got? Uh let's see. He was a three year starter at Texas. So he and, and uh
2: Hopkins, huh? Both Texas guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I really got here. He blocked for Dante Foreman when he was at Texas and Dante Foreman was very good, but, I mean, the whole Texas line blocked for Dante Foreman, of course. Uh, yeah, that looks like all I got. We can talk about his professional career now. You can talk about when he played guard and was bad.
2: Yeah, it was, it was last preseason, and I remember um, thinking he wasn't bad that first year. 2017, he had a chance to make the roster. He mostly was only playing, or did he only? Yep, I'm looking at it right now. 75 snaps at right tackle in 2017 in preseason. He was fine there uh, and and he didn't ultimately make the roster. I think he was called up eventually late in the year. But then last year he was playing left tackle and right guard in preseason, so not at right tackle anymore. And he had 39 snaps at right guard, 30 or 58 at left tackle. And I thought it, it overexposed him. If anything, he is a right tackle. Maybe he can slide him, play some left tackle. But they definitely put him in position to, all right, let's see what you got. It, maybe you can play four spots for us, and that, that's how you get on the roster. But I think the way he played last year in preseason said, okay, maybe he's not a left tackle or right guard. And, um, you know, that sets, sets you back a little bit. But when you're in the situation the Bengals are in now, they really can't be too choosy. They need to see if this guy can play right tackle, left tackle this year, and that's it. And he's got another chance to make the roster.
0: I mean, he's a top backup right now. Yeah, probably. Right? I mean. If bowling's hurt. Unless it's Trey Hopkins? Sure. Kent Perkins, like you said, was pretty solid in the preseason in 2017 at right tackle exclusively. Mm-hmm. And has, was he the one that was hurt? No, he's not the one that was hurt. That guy got released. Who was it? The, t- the offensive lineman that couldn't practice has been hurt since last year. He was released. This is all I can tell you about him. I have no idea who you're talking the about. The Bengals released an offensive lineman in the last, like, three weeks.
2: Okay. He wasn't good then.
0: He was hurt. He's been hurt since he came into the league. He oh, ACL.
2: Rod Taylor.
0: You're Rod Taylor.
2: About... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> what was your yeah, point? That's Rod it.
2: Taylor. Just like Rod Taylor. So, Ken Perkins is 24 years old. He's 6'5", 305. He's still young, and he's still – he's got Old the size. for a
0: third-year – well, I guess average for a third-year player. So I guess there's a chance, yeah. Right, because won't, it won't be until November 19th that he turns 25.
2: So late in the year. Yep. He's exactly halfway.
0: I That's hope we have. that Jim Turner is an offensive line wizard. I mean, if you get Christian Westerman <laughs> at left guard, maybe you're Okay. You get you get a little bit of an upgrade of right guard. You hope you get the upgraded center. Right tackle is probably the same. I don't know. I don't. They functioned with the bad offensive line last year, but not the, well. the run game did. The what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there were definite times.
2: Yeah, and Dalton was fine for the Dalton most was part. Was good last year. When the, all the weapons were healthy, when they were scheming and spreading it out, right, you couldn't really rush more than four or, or trick them or do anything crazy. The ball was getting out. Someone was open. Yeah. Once things started breaking down, once that first month went by where teams are starting to say, okay, this is what you're doing, and then <laughs> losing Tyler Eifert all at the same time kind of you know coincided with that. We've talked about that yeah. enough, that impact. I guess uh,
0: besides that, he was really only good against Tampa Bay in Week 8. Right. After that, it was... He was good against Baltimore too, but then he, you know, he was bad against New Orleans, not great against Cleveland. Then he was hurt.
2: Yeah. Casey also Pittsburgh games or whatever.
0: Yeah. So
2: yeah. But, I've, point being is you can survive a battle line. If your weapons stay healthy and are yeah, good. Right. Yes.
0: Good point. And, and also Dalton started to show the tools to navigate yes. behind a bad line last year. we talked about it a few times. We won't go into it today. But just in terms of keeping his eyes downfield, we saw some glimpses of that last year. So if that just even translates at the same level for longer in 2019, then Dalton potentially can function behind this offensive line.
2: Right. And we don't want him to, but it seems he is his fight or flight is kicked in and he's uh he's learning how to adapt.
0: Yep. So that'll wrap our countdown to kickoff for today. We are going to talk about a cool series that Joe started uh, related to quarterback performance and age, which is all error adjusted. We're going to have a quick Blue Chew ad. This is your second favorite ad of the week. We're going to slide that in and we'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now
2: you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechu.com. dot Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements?
2: Jake and Joe are back with the Locked On Bengals podcast. And Jake. Joe's mad at me, is what's going on here. I had a joke lined up and he didn't let me uh, execute it. What, just now? Is that why I'm mad at you? Or am I mad at you because you hit the button too soon and yeah, I had to yeah, re record? Because it? of the buttons. Oh, add it to the list, man. I'm mad at you for a lot of things. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a good time. I'm I'm two Mike's Hard Lemonades in, guys, so, you know, I'm really having a good time over here. Yeah,
0: he's drinking some fluorescent orange stuff. It's good. Tangerine.
2: Fantastic. Anyways, so, uh, this morning, I was tweeting while at work and doing research at while at work. I know you're jealous. Anyways, we had some responses because we talked about Logie's... Um, articles that, and that he linked to us uh, on twitter we talked about this yesterday on the podcast so when i woke up he had some responses you know he, he was he was thankful but he also said uh, is there any indication that quarterbacks decline at some point or don't ever reach their peak again uh, basically he was alluding to so i started to look and started with the bengals franchise quarterbacks they're four you know major guys obviously ken anderson boomer sias and carson palmer and andy dalton And I wanted to use the era-adjusted quarterback rating or passer rating, I should say, and you can find that on profootballreference.com. Basically, it says, you know, if if Kenny Anderson was throwing for an 81 in 1980, that would be equivalent to throwing for like a 120 now in today's NFL, which is fantastic. So uh, it, it takes into account how much better he was than the guys around him at the time and for Andy Dalton, how much worse he was than the average guy around him. So... Uh, you could look at it either way, I guess. Anyways, so I started to look at it and what I found was you very rarely reach your peak. Now the peak based on other data I looked at and other uh, people who did all, all of this and, and, and worked it all out. Peaks for quarterback happen between 27 years old and 31 years old. Makes sense. That should be the peak for most guys. It might be a little bit later in some positions. Obviously, running back and others uh, would be a little bit earlier. But for quarterback, 27 to 31. So it makes makes a lot of sense. Dalton is obviously going to be 32 this year. So I was interested in the second half of this. We've seen quarterbacks, namely right now, older guys, be very productive later in their careers. But is that normal? Is that is Should we expect that? And what I found was, you will often see the post thirty-two year old quarterback, if he's a really good quarterback, still starting at this point in his career, he will often reach one more year close to his peak. And we saw Andy Dalton's peak was twenty fifteen. Uh, it happened with Ken Anderson, Boomer Esaias, and Carson Palmer. It happened with other guys I looked at too. And there's not a real great comparable for Dalton because he had that one year, and all the other years are floating around average, but point being is we can probably expect one more year for Dalton where he's really good but if you follow the other trends if we're going to go on the positive side of expecting at least one more good year the negative side is there is a, a a definite downturn for these guys and the line gets much more wavy from year to year in terms of good year bad year good year bad year it's hard to sustain i think it i think as their body breaks down a little bit they become more reliant on the players around them and we as we know that can Uh, be a fluid thing based on injuries and talent and who they uh, acquire and who they lose. So that's me inferring what I see from this data. But uh, Jake, what did you get from it? What did you
0: think about it? I think there are a few interesting things here. First off, Andy Dalton's best year is almost as good as Ben Roethlisberger's best year. So that's kind of cool. But his other years aren't close to Ben's year-by-year averages. And he was better than Ben Roethlisberger on a yearly basis only twice. And that was in their respective third years of their career, when Ben Roethlisberger was very bad, and Andy Dalton was slightly better than average. And in year six, when Dalton had his best year, this was 2015, I assume. Yeah. And and Roethlisberger had a bad year six, so or year five. That's year six. I year think. six. Year six. No, that's year five. It's year five. I, I can't I'm looking tell at the, from I time. know
2: because the, the 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 letters come before the line. Yeah, it's so. really
0: far, it's really far away too. It's yeah. Like, anyway. The point is, Dalton, for the most part, is trending right around average, which is what we've said, which is what national media has said for years. Uh, he, he compares, as Joe found, somewhat to Joe Flacco, who we would all say is not a very good quarterback. Although, if you look at Flacco's early career, he's had a number of years better than Dalton, too. He's had some recently, especially, years worse than Dalton. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if Dalton... Has another peak in him, or if he just goes the way of Flacco, there aren't very many cases where there is that one spike. Yeah, and and the rest of the years are below average. in in the In the examples you tweeted out, and one of the questions that I had that I thought was very interesting was, is is there a trend of of these older guys having breakout years last year? Because mm-hmm. Rivers. Breeze were were two guys that had incredible years last year very late in their careers at this point. Drew Brees was 39 and Philip Rivers was 36
1: 37.
0: Right. Did you did you happen to see if there were other guys that had big big years like that really late in their careers? I mean, I guess Tom Brady had a spike at 39 too.
2: Right. And that's what I looked at and it normally that would and I think uh Peyton Manning had one. It's the all-time greats. That
0: seem to come yeah, back okay. and hit
2: that spike more often, and like it a may, last
0: hurrah, like they yes, built the team up to go for one more run.
2: Exactly, and it may happen for like Drew Brees. It happened three times since he's been since his original spike in San Diego that final year in San Diego. He's he's hit it back three, four times. He's that good. He's going to be a Hall of Famer statistically. He may go down as the most efficient quarterback of all time. Peyton Manning, obviously, we know this. He's going to hit that spike. A few times, Tom Brady has hit that. Sp- his low is never even low for Tom Brady. He never even gets near
0: average. Drew his uh, low is pretty much, what, 110? Yeah,
2: right. After those first two years, that was it. He's never gone back to earth since then. And Man, so those so guys, glad. those spikes happen. Even Philip Rivers has had some good years late in his career. But it's gotten more volatile. It's gotten to the point where you can see a trend down a little bit. He's never going to get back to that young form. And that makes sense. This isn't groundbreaking stuff. Yes. But I think seeing it in context is like, okay, so everyone follows this trend. Yeah, we may expect one more year out of Dalton. That's why Dalton's weird. And that's why Flacco keeps coming up for a comparable. And I look at these other comparables. So when David Garrard came up as one. I mean, there's weird average run-of-the-mill guys that you forget about and that don't get – opportunities that Aaron Brooks was one. 32, 33 years old, these guys aren't starting anymore because that decline that they see at 29, 30, 31 that Dalton has seen right now, uh, not decline, but in decline in production, it, it usually gets them out of a starting job or like a Joe Flacco where they're mm-hmm. now in position to the, that they may not be a long-term starter anymore. So it's hard to... Uh, compare Dalton to those guys because he had that 2015 years. These other comparable guys did not have that major spike right. where it's a top five type year. They didn't have that. They had good years, maybe a 112 adjusted, but not a 125 adjusted, which is very, very
0: good. It can stand up in most franchises. I would say Flacco's run to the Super Bowl is pretty comparable. It, it was is. over a shorter duration, but like that that's one reason that the Flacco comp makes sense because yeah. if you were going to say Andy Dalton caught on fire the way Joe Flacco caught on fire that year, it was year five is when he's 28. Yeah.
2: And if it played out that way, we'd – probably view this much differently, obviously. But point being is, uh, yeah, that Flacco comparison. At first, I was neglecting. I didn't even look at his numbers. I didn't compare them. I was comparing David Garrard and these other guys. Uh, and I go, okay, throw Flacco in there. And I was like, wow, they followed a lot of the same trends in yep. past. They were off only by a few points in a lot of these. And then the decline happened after their peaks. And I and, I just, and if uh,
0: that's the case, then Dalton's never getting back to that level because it doesn't right. look like Flacco is either. Flacco's it, been consistently subpar for four yeah. years.
2: And that, like if you were to ask people outside of Cincinnati or national guys or, or evaluators, they would say Dalton is of the average talent type, not of these top guys that return to those peaks. Right. And so maybe he is on the Flacco spectrum and he doesn't get back to that. It would have to take a marriage of a perfect marriage between him and, him and Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor would have to be a guru. And if he's not, then it, it's kind of sad to think that we may have seen the best of him.
0: And the best of them was cut short by injury. Right. I mean, it fits. It fits the narrative, right? Like the Bengals are a tragic franchise. Nothing goes right. The curse. Whatever. It's it's like when you talk about the Bengals in summary, when you try to pull out, take a take a high level view, you go back to Greg Cook getting hurt, and and you just follow it from there, and it's just <laughs> gut right. punch after gut punch after gut punch, and yet here we are trying to of... find the path. It's interesting on days like this where there's not much NFL news,
2: so the entire NFL world talks about the Bengals or Jonah Williams, and there's a lot of different angles you can take from being sympathetic to, man, they just can't get it right or can't get it together, to, man, Jonah Williams, I feel bad for the player or the prospect, the, you know, he's got guys' head on his shoulders, to, and, you know, good luck and all that, to just laughing at him and making jokes, which I, I like to do too. But, uh, you know, it's just interesting to see how other people take it and other – You know, analysts or writers that don't cover the Bengals every day and just they even recognize the sad state of, man, I just can't believe this is hitting them again. Someone, a blind squirrel is going to find a nut sometime. When is it going to happen for the Bengals? It should
0: have been 2015, you could say. Yep. But then the blind squirrel ran into a blind tree. What eats a squirrel? Everything. What do you mean
2: everything? I mean, not... uh... I'm not talking about rednecks. and like eagles will eat a squirrel,
0: right? Yeah. A hawk? Like foxes and wolves and maybe what? a desperate bear. Really? I didn't know this. I don't know bears, about bears. Bears, bear, bears go for fish. Yeah. Bears eat. Bear, bears bears are, eat whatever though. I mean, I think so. Black bears are just huge raccoons. <laughs> they, Is that right? They'll literally bears, eat anything.
2: If you haven't listeners, Google hairless bear. They are not what you think. Really? Yeah, they're ugly, man. Oh, yeah, of course they're ugly. But, I mean, they're not teddy bear looking. They're not cute. There's nothing nice about a hairless bear.
0: It's like any hairless mammal that we are used to seeing with fur. Yeah, it looks like a hairless cat. This is exactly what I expected. Yeah, and that's what hairless cats look like, too. I I guess you're right about that. Yeah.
2: Ugly. And this
0: is (laughs) the situation
2: at left tackle. (laughs) I don't know. I was going to say, this is what we've devolved into. Yeah, that's true. Chicago Bears are ugly without their uniforms.
0: (laughs) God. (laughs) No? (laughs) Oh, training camp, where are you? How many weeks we have left now? Four weeks? We're moving. We have next week is July 2nd, 9th, 16th, 23rd, and then we're there. So one, two, three, four weeks from today. We'll be ready for training camp to start. We'll be effusing praise unto Christian Westerman. Oh,
2: I would love nothing more than to to say Christian Westerman is their best guard on the roster. Look at him go.
0: Imagine they get Evan Mathis right this time. Oh. That'd be so great. We would have something to be happy about.
2: Right. (laughs) and say, look at this. It only took them four years, but they got it right with the new coaching staff.
0: And imagine what impact that would have on Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about a guard that has that level of play in him, is, yeah. is the pulling stuff. Although, how much do we expect them to be pulling in the, Not in the much. offense? Not but much, but climbing
2: yeah. to the second level for sure for the, with the interior guys. Um, I'm almost done with my play-action piece. I've had a lot of side projects lately. Um, So I I was cutting the video today, and it's a lot of fun. You'll like it, Jake. They're basically going off one concept. It might get posted tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, depending on – I told the editor it would be ready for tomorrow. But um, they're basically going off one concept. One guy going deep, one guy with a crossing route, and two guys in the flats. And the way they find – ooh, I almost dropped something. The way they find a way to continue to get all of those routes or all of those concepts – from different players aligned at the same spot is very
0: interesting. There's a teaser for you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, by the way, to all the listeners who sent their stories. Uh, we got a few stories about your encounters with Anthony Munoz. We had some uh, feedback for other Bengals that should be considered for the Hall of Fame. I think Ken Riley, but I thought we had mentioned him. I thought we did too, but, thought, you know, but maybe, go ahead maybe and we did him. Um, and then in terms of players that got hurt, we talked about that yesterday, that we would like to see their whole healthy career. Bo Jackson was a suggestion as somebody that we whiffed on. Yeah. And, yeah, sure, that would be fun. But that was before my time. He's not really on my radar. He wasn't a player that played for one of my favorite teams. All the guys I picked are guys that, had they not been hurt, could have changed the trajectory of my favorite my favorite teams.
2: And I was thinking of something, Jake, on the ride to work today. Okay. And it was about the question when you asked, uh, listeners and stuff to, to give a story if you've ever met someone is the, is the definition of meeting someone different now because it's 2019 jake have we ever met no right by by traditional standards we have never met but yet i feel like i know you and i feel like we i would say it,
0: it's there's got to be a different word or a different way to to label yeah. it right i mean met in person is a pretty easy qualifier sure i guess i met him online i met a cool guy online I mean, that's how I gained some very good friends in my life here in Canada. It started with playing World of Warcraft together when I was in high school 15 years ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that's what I mean. There there is way more ways to
2: meet people. And that's why I think like because you can conversate with you could accidentally talk to uh, Joe Mixon on on Instagram and and have a small conversation. Uh, Pac-Man was known for this and. Does that mean you met this person? No, no. not
0: traditional standards. That's different than like because because like this is a consistent conversation, right? Like I think just having a conversation with somebody online doesn't count as meeting somebody. Like I had a conversation with Shannon Sharp, and it, uh, when the whole concussion study came out, okay, uh, I, I I sent him a message. You know, he was talking about you know it's something about he, it. Ended up with him saying, you know what? I'd rather I'd rather have concussions when I was playing and then get hit in the knee I remember because this. I know what I'm sacrificing long-term for my family. But if I lose my knee, I'm right. losing the ability to provide for my family long-term. Yeah. And so while Shannon Sharp was aware, because this is well after all the CTE stuff yeah. that came out and it was yeah. like in the, in the spotlight, he was like, I would rather have to deal with that later in life and set up my family than have lost the opportunity to set up my family.
2: I think he's got a point there.
0: Yeah, totally. I I fully understand that point, and and until he told me that, I didn't really, right. That that didn't really. I mean, it kind of was there. You know, like it's it's easy to think about that to some degree, but it's just the CTE stuff is so scary, right? Yeah. Like
2: imagine you you do your job, whatever you do. Uh, I'm talking to the listeners, and you know, you're being harmed long term, where you know you may get to 55, 60 years old. And main, you know, deal with these issues that we see and we see people commit suicide, and, you know, at the worst uh, or just losing memory or, or function of their body. And you knew what was happening, but you're making good money. I mean, it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough thing to debate and weigh.
0: Yeah. This and conversation I, took a turn. Yeah. But besides that, I wouldn't say I've met Shannon Sharp. Like I have had conversations no, I hear with you. Willie Anderson. I wouldn't say I've met Willie Anderson.
2: What if it was consistent conversation? What if they followed you back and it was consistent conversation?
0: There, there's like there's there's some arbitrary line that you'd have to cross to say that, like right, like where where it would be a thing like, Oh yeah, you're gonna be in Cincinnati, I'm gonna be in Cincinnati, let's get a beer. Like where that's really comfortable. Oh okay. Sharp isn't gonna have a beer with me. I don't think no. Willie Anderson's gonna have a beer with me, but you're gonna yeah. have a beer with me but they may come on the podcast. Yeah. No,
2: I'm not oh. breaking any news here. You got excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my cool. long con to get you into to let you know that Willie Anderson will be on. We're no, that, that is, we would like that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Willie if, if, anybody,
0: if anyone has contacts for Chad Johnson's people for, uh, Takeo spikes people for Corey Dillon's people.
2: I said, Kevin case for Hearn, and someone sent me a link to his LinkedIn. He is a strength and conditioning coach. I believe at a high school. Oh, let's let's hit him up. I know. I don't have a LinkedIn or else I would have Oh, I do. Send it to me. I
0: will. I'll, I'll put Lockdown Bengals on my profile. I don't know if it's there yet. And then I'll, I'll send him a message.
2: Sounds good. That's it. We're getting Kevin Case for Harnan. You heard it here first. Oh, well,
0: we're going to try.
2: Oh, okay. Never mind. We,
0: we don't write checks. We can't cash. That's going to do write? it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I don't even have checks. Me neither. Okay. But that is going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by Blue Chew. You can find the episode on the Himalaya Podcast app on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You name it, we're probably there. I hope we're on your favorite podcast medium. Until next time, Bengals fans, when we'll probably take some of your questions, have a good one.